like that. This guest is Jamie Allen, professional golf teacher. How you doing, Jamie? You okay? I'm good. What about yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So what are you up to at the moment then? You, you just said you're out in the car. So are you out teaching today? Are you out working? What are you up to? No, I'm actually off. I'm actually off work this week. So I was kind of just at the shops getting some uh, some of the essentials like <laughs> crisps, beer. No, not not that much beer, <laughs> but just just the essentials. Just trying to kind of the supermarkets are always more busy than what they should be, and you can't really predict how, how long not, you're going to be in f- one. Then, so. Doesn't sound like a fun day, <laughs> that, mate. You know, you know, out playing. Do you, do you still play a lot of golf, or do you uh, just teach? I, I, to be honest with you, I don't. I don't play that much competitively, but if a few of my mates ask me to go for a game, I'll go a game. I go for a game any time. It's not we'll we'll play for the odd fight. We'll play for a couple of pounds now and again. I always lose the money on my performances mm-hmm. recently. I've said differently, but I, I try and play as much as I can. But because you teach full time, the te- the plane kind of the plane kind of side takes a back seat. Um, yeah. That's taken a back seat the last kind of couple of years. I've been teaching full time for about a year and a half and. You're you're teaching like 50, 60 hours a week, and you're you're trying to play as much as you can on the golf course, but there's just not enough. I've got no kids. I'm not married. I shouldn't have any <laughs> excuses, but um, there always is enough time. But you're always kind of too tired, or you just can't yeah. be bothered. It's not the greatest attitude in the world to have. But I'm I'm trying to get back into the playing side of things. It's it's something I've always wanted to do, but it's just as you as you can as you know, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of graft and a lot of perseverance to get to where you need to be. Sure. I mean, is it one of those things that after you've been teaching it all day, you're just kind of sick of it as well at the same time? I mean, obviously, if you, you know, as you said, if you're working 40, 50 hours a week with golf, maybe sometimes you're just like, oh, I need a break. I, I, I've always had the attitude, though, that I, I, I've kind of always had the attitude that I should never get tired, regardless of how busy or how uh, strenuous my week's been. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely love playing golf, don't get me wrong, but sometimes... Um, you don't have the competitive edge anymore just because you're not playing as much. Your expectations are lower. But I always feel like I, I should be shooting low scores even though I've not put in the work um, on the range or with my coach or anything like that. And a lesson is something I've not had in a while. So, I mean, I still absolutely love playing golf, love playing social golf. Um, sometimes not playing competitively, you kind of lose the routine and lose track of what you're actually doing. So mm-hmm. I still, still absolutely love playing golf. I wouldn't change that for anything. So you said you got a coach as well at the moment, did you just say there? Uh, or do you normally just kind of, I was going to say, like, how does, a, how does a golf teacher then learn how to play better golf? Like, would you normally just obviously take your own advice and try and incorporate that? Or do you actually also get your own teacher? Uh, um, I was that? working with a coach. I was working with a coach for quite a bit, but the tense is that because you're not playing, you're not playing a lot, you kind of you you revert back to old habits. So mm. I'm not really working with a coach as such. I'm just kind of practicing what I what I think is right and wrong within my own game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. kind of that aspect of it takes a backseat, and because you're solely coaching all the time, you don't work too much on your own game. That's not that important. It's the students that you're teaching. That's the most important part of it, making them slightly better than mm-hmm. what they were originally. Yeah. So before you started teaching, then like, were you playing competitive uh, tournaments, or what sort of thing were you doing playing wise before you started teaching? Uh, I used to work in the pro shop. <laughs> there you go. I used that's to work in, that's that the was, best way that to was start. <laughs> that was that was great fun selling the old Mars bars and <laughs> no. And um, before before I started teaching full time, I worked in a pro shop. So I done my PG training at Heroes Golf Club. 
And then after my four year stint, I started working at a golf academy in Scotland, which I've kind of been teaching for the full time for the last year and a half or so. But so I was teaching quite a lot when I was um, an assistant and I was playing more golf than what I was teaching when I was a, an assistant at a golf club. But um, now that's kind of taken a back seat because you're because you had a variation in doing things when you're in the pro shop and then um, coaching and teaching. Nowadays, it's just kind of solely coaching. So plane takes a back seat and you're just kind of your whole week's just teaching. Yeah. So how long have you been doing the teaching for then? You said you obviously passed your, your stuff and then got into it. So how long ago was that and how, how many years have you been teaching uh, now? I passed my PJ exams, so I became fully qualified two years ago. So I've kind of been teaching full-time pretty much for the last year and a half to two years. Obviously, okay. pre-COVID, um, things have kind of taken a back seat slightly, but mm-hmm. everything's kind of back to normal, so everything is in full flow at the moment. Right. And so did you start with all your channels and stuff that you've got now? I mean, just for anybody that doesn't already follow you and that wants to check you out, it's uh, Jamie Allen Golf on Instagram and on YouTube. I think Facebook as well, right? And also Jamie Allen underscore golf on Twitter. Um, so with that, did you kind of get started on those channels same time as you started teaching or did that come afterwards? Um, that came before, actually, because um, oh, I mean, I've done it. Obviously, when you first start working a shop, you'd start your training and you get a little bit of exposure to kind of beginner golfers, junior golfers. And the reason why I kind of set out starting a YouTube channel, starting a Twitter page, starting a Facebook group, just to try and, get myself out there trying to get recognized slightly i mean it takes time it takes a lot of perseverance a lot of hard work to get to where you need to be sure but um i just i just done it as something to do just to develop my knowledge just to engage with potential customers potential clients just to try and generally generate a little bit more income from lessons and trying to get the, get the word out there that I'll maybe give a good golf lesson so that word of mouth as well that's a big thing yeah, I mean, you've you've kind of wrapped up quite a following then, considering it's only been, whatever, a few years or so. Um, I mean, on YouTube, you've got a, a bunch of subscribers and Instagram load of followers. So what sort of things were you finding that works for you in terms of growing those channels? Was it just doing what you're doing now, where you're posting a lot of, uh, you know, drills and, 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 and whatever videos of, of showing people how to do certain movements in golf, etc.? Um, or were you doing other content before what you're doing now? It was mostly kind of just short clips and I overview from what I'm working on a daily basis with clients. It just gives come some people a little bit more exposure to what I've been working on in terms of what I would work on with certain students. Because, I mean, you always learn from other students and you always learn from other teachers. So I guess the reason why I started it was just kind of short clips. They work best because people are always in a, a hurry nowadays and the tendency mm-hmm. is they don't want to spend eight, nine minutes looking at a YouTube video. So felt the avenue of going down Instagram was kind of a big thing it gives you a little bit more exposure it gives you a little bit more it's kind of very things are very clear and concise people mm-hmm. learn more from kind of short clips and what they do kind of eight nine ten minute videos sure i think the ones that That's are out one. there on youtube as well i mean a lot of them they're not always done to be just purely educational are they they're they're kind of like fun videos mixed in with kind of drills and teaching i mean obviously rick shields is the perfect example he does those sort of 10 minute videos where they're kind of fun people will watch the whole video um but then also in there there's obviously some incredible information yeah and rick shields kind of started off when i'm not not taking anything away from rick shields but rick shields started off kind of he was one of the first youtubers um obviously at mark crossford mean my golf 
and they just kind of snowballed very quickly. Nowadays, yeah. the market's a little bit saturated mm-hmm. in terms of increasing that following quite quickly. But um, I think if you just keep plugging away, just keep kind of engaging with, with your followers, just trying to put out as much content as you like, then that snowball effect and that algorithm will actually increase more. Mm-hmm. So I think if you if you less if you worry less about trying to increase your subscribers and just put out quality content, I think things will um, increase quickly. I think that's where I was kind of in the doldrums slightly. So that's where I was a little bit confused why my channel wasn't growing that quickly. I less I worried less about the the numbers of the channel and just worried more about the content, the quality content. Obviously, sure. there's always people out there that I'll put negative comments around mm-hmm. your videos and stuff like that. I think the best way just to kind of satisfy them is just to can agree with them, just ignore them. Because if you question, start questioning people, there's people out there are always up for an argument, which is not really mm-hmm. math. The place to yeah. argue on, on social media. Right. So you kind of just found then, I mean, were you were you really looking into the analytics of it in terms of seeing how many people were either um, you know, liking or commenting on your videos between the content that you did? Because obviously you 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 said now you're focusing on this kind of short form content whereby it's like drills showing stuff just while you're in the house stuff like that and it's it's obviously working for you so were you really kind of looking into the analytics of that to to try and find out what was working um i was to start off with like you're obviously reassessing what you could do to make things slightly better mm-hmm. i think it was around about two years down the line so probably this time last year when we were in lockdown i was kind of evaluating kind of what what i done well what i didn't do so well and i'm always kind of very critical on what i could do better and I think the things that I was looking at, what I can do better, is how do I engage with clients? How do I get more people to, let's say, click on my channel so I can keep subscribers and followers? And just try and help other golfers. Mm-hmm. Just try and make them better at what they need to do. And even one drill might help five or six golfers shoot the lower score. Sure. Yeah. So it was just kind of small things again. It wasn't necessarily getting my name out there. I was just trying to help more clients, just try and make them improve a little bit better yeah and in terms of the actual like classes and lessons that you're doing now then so you're just working down at your local club uh you're doing private classes like what sort of thing are you actually doing then uh, off the social media in terms of teaching um so i so basically i teach full-time at an academy in scotland it's called loretto golf academy and okay. um, my week's pretty busy so i'm probably doing 30 40 50 hours of teaching um, and these kind of are I wouldn't say elite juniors, but they're kind of the age between like five and 18. So do like really beginner classes from the age of five, and then you get kind of elites level up to 18. Mm-hmm. So externally out with my kind of day job that I'm teaching, I I do a few online lessons. I'm not actually attached to a golf club as such. So um, I just kind of feel online lessons are kind of the way the world's going in terms of people have less time to travel from A to B to get a golf lesson so I think sure. the amount of uptake that I've had when online lessons has been really good obviously you can always um, do do better that's always been my attitude no matter how good you are you can always do better you can always progress your career you can always learn different things and um, that's kind of been a great value to me to be honest with you just try and keep, keep working hard you never know one post can go viral and before you know it you're I don't know it's, it's just Rick Shields. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like one thing I'd never be is I'd never be big-headed about anything. I'm quite level-headed. I just try and help anyone I can. If somebody asks me a question, um, I always try and get back to them. Sometimes the questions that you do get asked, I don't. Um, sometimes 
the questions you do get asked, a lot of people are confused in what they're saying. Sometimes mm -hmm. people try and make it more technical than what it actually needs to be. Um, I think more people learn from keep, keeping things simple, just trying to focus less on technical work and just try and get on the golf course and just play, play the course. Sure. So in terms of your kind of teaching method then, what, what kind of style of teacher are you? Let's say you've got a, a new student for tomorrow. Um, what sort of things are you starting with in their first lesson to like are you analysing their, their swing first of all and just letting them kind of go at it and see what they do wrong? Or what's your kind of method for, for teaching? I mean, there'll be, every coach is different. Every, every coach has got kind of a different blueprint. But my blueprint, like if I was, if you came for a, for a lesson, like let's say on Monday morning, Alex, I would kind of get to know you as a person. So what your strengths, what your weaknesses are. And generally what your goals are, what you would like to improve within your swing. So kind of go, joining the dots, going from A to B to C to D, just trying to understand your patterns of play. So you're like, okay, so you might struggle with a slice in the golf course. So what can we do to try and eradicate that problem? It might be course management, might be the issue. So for example, your distance control might be a little bit off. So what can we do? How your clubs can assess to... Um, so it's, it's just actually simple things, just trying to get to know you, how your body moves, I don't want to put you, I would never kind of change that much technical things in the first lesson because the player, I've not, I don't really know the player to start off yet. So I might, they might have a back issue and I might put them in a position that kind of makes their injuries slightly worse. And then that makes me a, a bad coach from kind of not analysing. So first lesson might be TPI screening um, just to try and get to know their body slightly better. So if they've got any joint limitations or any physical limitations that might hinder their performance. So it's basically, it's basically just trying to get to know the player, asking them a few questions, assessing their own game and get, kind of getting a bit of reflective feedback from them as to um, what they want to achieve. Because at the end of the day, the player's the most important person in the lesson. Um, whatever they want to achieve, you have to kind of satisfy their needs. And if you don't satisfy their needs, there can be a lot of golfers that can be really angry. They can be dissatisfied with your own coaching. So I think first lesson is just kind of getting just a, getting to know the player kind of stepping stone to work on the next level. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I spoke to um, Colin McCarthy fairly recently, who's a oh, pretty yeah. big coach. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of yeah. him. He's a pretty big coach. I, thought, I actually follow him on Instagram. He's, his Instagram's uh, flying. As well. I'm sure he's got about 70,000 70, yeah. followers. Sorry. His content's yeah, I mean, pretty... His really content's good. really, really good. I mean, shout out to him. We had him on and he's a proper cool guy but even better teacher and he was talking about something similar in terms of just getting to know number one the person um in their mind and then also getting to know them as a player so like physically um yeah. because yeah like you said you you need to know you know what they can and can't do with their body first of all but then he also wants to try and get a, a feel for what kind of person they are and again as you mentioned like you know how motivated are they to get better at golf yeah. like what what are their goals with golf is it to to just be able to play a casual round or do they want to try and get as low as they can or get to scratch so you know it's all pretty relevant um whereas maybe some people will just try and teach you a certain blueprint that they think is best for, yeah. for for how to do the golf swing right and it's just not the case and i think there's a lot of content out there nowadays and um i find that social media can be quite toxic in terms of like you could put an absolutely brilliant video out there and people that have watched the video on youtube that aren't actually qualified to coach somebody i mean it's i would never coach somebody for swimming because i'm not a swimming coach i would never coach somebody for 
rugby because I'm not a, rug, a rugby coach, but some people on social media can be very negative towards you because they've watched a video and they, they could comment um, negative against the post that you put. Like they strongly disagree with that or something like that. It's just the world we live in. You just need to have mm-hmm. kind of thick skin and just to get on with it and just take more of the positive comments as opposed to the negative comments. Yeah, and you know, it's not only maybe that maybe they are qualified, but I think also again, unless you know what the players like and what they're good at and what they're bad at, those drills or things that they're showing aren't going to necessarily be good for the player. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get somebody that, like you said, it is quite toxic because you get somebody that's trying to maybe copy what they're seeing in these drills and it's really not what they they need to yeah. work on. And then it ends up then, you know, kind of ruining the swing that, or a good part of the swing that they might have. Yeah. One of the, one of the lines, like, uh, one of the kind of phrases that I dislike a lot is, I know what I'm working on. It's like so many people are just guessing to what they're actually working on without it because they watch a YouTube video. I mean, I've got nothing against YouTube. I've got nothing against social media. But I think too many people kind of guess to what they're actually working on and then don't actually have a detailed plan with a coach. Um, so they'd rather kind of waste money on golf clubs instead of spending the £30 on a lesson with sure. a trusted pro or a trusted coach to help them take their, elevate their game to the next kind of stage. Yeah. So with your kind of content that you put out there, then the drills, etc. like, are you just kind of thinking of these things as you go along? Like, do you ever just think of new ideas or is this all kind of information that you've already got in terms of whatever, a new video of how to stop slicing? Like, do you just have kind of a list of drills and feels that you should try and do during a goal swing to stop that? Or do you ever sometimes come up with a new one and you're just like, oh, you know, this might help stop people slicing, etc. then post it out on, on your social media? I've, I always kind of had the, the like the attitude or the kind of uh, personality that every lesson you do and you've got somebody's got the same problem, you've always got to try and think in your drill. So instead of using like a simple slice drill where somebody's swinging out ten, that there might be a head cover slightly outside the golf ball if they hit that. That so every every time you give the new lesson, it gives you an opportunity to try a new drill. So most of my content is centered around kind of online lessons that you do and just questions that come in through social media that kind of I wouldn't say that prepares me for the week but that just kind of gives me an idea of what kind of that sets my week out and I plan mm-hmm. if that makes sense through questions sure. and just interaction from clients and interaction from social media and stuff like that yeah I wanted to circle back around to the online classes then I mean you said that you think that's probably the way that it's going to go I mean do you think there's any negatives to that because me personally like I really need to be kind of present with the coach to to do my class I, I feel like I get way more out of it than trying to do it online I have tried it before but I think being there and having the coach see me do the shots and then you know if he tries to change something that I do then seeing how I hit it after that um, is really beneficial for me whereas online it can be a little bit difficult um, especially if you've not got you know, a driver range to hit balls at and you're just hitting it yeah. at a, a practice net or something like that. So do you think there's some negatives to, to with those online lessons as well or is it mainly positive for you? Um, I think, I mean, there's no matter what you do in life, there's going to be kind of negative drawbacks and positive drawbacks. But um, I think the negative drawbacks mostly are, depends what type of um, player you, depends what level of learning you like to do. For So for example, um, I, if I was to go back to teaching, I, I like, getting a one-to-one lesson face-to-face so I can develop different feels within my swing. Um, but it depends. I mean, there are, there's a lot There's a lot of negatives. Kind of depends on your lifestyle. I mean, negatives say that um, 
you might not get as much practice time because you're obviously you're, the, the the things that you're working on might be incorrect because you're not being developing the right fields through through your coach if it was standing in front of you. But I, I I mean there's, there's I think there's a lot of positive things as well. Like for example, if I send you a video of an online lesson, the, the information's there. Instead, on a video format, it gives you something to relate back to if you're in a position where you you might be struggling or your performance level might is might be dipping slightly. So yeah. I mean there is there is there is negatives and there is positives. I think you just need to kind of get find a lesson and find kind of the way of learning what what suits you. Yeah, I mean there's different formats of online as well. Like I've seen some coaches that will just do the standard. Um, you know, let's say 20, 30 minute lesson, right? And it's a video call the whole time and it's pretty much the same as being on the range. But then there's others, um, trying to think of his name, I think it's Russell Heritage. He does one whereby he'll just get you to send him a video clip of you doing your swing and then he'll send two or three points back to you of what to try. And then you send him another clip and he'll give more feedback, et cetera. So it's stuff like that for me where even though like he's, I mean, he's so successful at what he's doing and, and I've heard nothing but good reviews about what he does. But then me personally, I just struggle with the fact that, you know, he's telling me to, or somebody right in general is telling me to do two or three little key feelings or movement with my swing. I then want to go and try that and that my coach can see that straight away. Whereas, you know, they might not reply for another day or two. And it's kind of like, for me, it would be, a bit of a slower progress process but i don't know like if which which type of kind of online class would you be giving to your students do you think um so on online kind of class would just be like a one-to-one lesson i don't really do kind of any zoom lessons or any kind of facetime lessons i just i just think um you can't really save doing a facetime lesson i guess you can save it through zoom but i always kind of prefer just to um, an individual lesson, like they send me a video, sw- their swing all over, pure their swing, mm-hmm. um, send them drills and things like that to, to work on back. I mean that that could take up to two days. Um, the process can be can be quite slow if you're you're busy during the week and stuff like that. But you can always warn your, let's say your stable of players to say like two or three days. That might be the turnover for sending an online lesson back. People are mm-hmm. pretty patient. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, what, what's the keys for you and a student? And like, what do you ask from your students to, you know, try and make the, the lessons as successful as possible? Like, obviously, apart from the actual methods that you're using to teach in, what, what are you trying to get your else? Are you trying to get your students to do kind of when they're practicing, etc.? Just to try and like, like, if they're making a technical change, you have to kind of really exaggerate what you're working on. Um, so if you want to make a big change, you have to make a big exaggeration. That's kind of the, the kind of thought I've always had. Mm-hmm. But the key things are just to try and really exaggerate things, rehearse kind of what they've been working on, stick to the process or stick to the plan and play, plan in place. So, for example, if somebody's kind of changed their grip, okay, make sure the grip's in a better position, make sure the pub face in a better position and how the, their body pivots kind of go to respond to the changes that they made in the club face position. So by exaggeration, you mean just literally just doing it more than you think is normal? Because, I mean, I've got a, a same yeah. or similar thing right now with mine where I'm trying to shallow the club a little bit, bit better. So I'm now trying to take the club a little bit wider out behind me rather than straight up in the air. Um, and I get the same sort of things. It's like trying to exaggerate that. But then I get on the course and I've just been out playing this morning and it's like I'm too scared to 
really try and throw that club out there and exaggerate it during a round. But again, you just have to kind of trust the process, don't you? And trust that it's going to eventually help you. Yeah, and it's always good to video your swings. Well, I try and get my students to video their swings just every couple of days just to try and exaggerate. Taking So always kind of video their practice swing just to see how their practice swing is until they actually go into the, the, hitting, the hitting zone. It's amazing how quickly your feels and the changes within your swing can vary from practice swing into placing a golf ball in front of you. You mm -hmm. always find that uh, people rush things too quickly when they get actually into hitting the golf ball. The practice swing's absolutely outstanding, but then they get to the hitting area and it's a little bit kind of wavered slightly. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I think it's just a psychological thing, isn't it? I mean, every every amateur golfer probably does that, don't they? They have that perfect uh, practice swing and then it just, as soon as you get to the real one, something goes wrong. Yeah, every everyone falls in the same category at times. Uh, you can't practice. You can. You, there's no. I don't think there's such a thing as over practicing. Mm -hmm. um, you can practice the wrong things, but I always encourage somebody to get a coach that you trust, work on the correct things. Because the amount of people that go to the driving range and they're not actually working on the correct things that suit to their game. Mm -hmm. For example, like a generic tip on Instagram, it might be that they're 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 not getting a hip enough hip rotation, so they might. They might see a drill on Instagram that, that somebody's trying to turn their belt buckle to the target. Just a, a simple kind of sure. idea like that. And that might not actually suit them because they might have hip problems. So it's always kind of go and find a coach who's you can trust and, and who's a good communicator and somebody you can rely on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. I mean, I think that's, that, that is important. I think somebody you can rely on, I mean... Again, you get like a. I've had experiences with teachers, mainly in other countries, where they just they they're really not bothered. They just see it as kind of another student, and it and it's just kind of a, you know, here here you go, here's a drill, here's another drill, and they're not really kind of looking at what the player actually needs. Um, so I think it's you know, I'm backing that up in terms of it's really important to find the right teacher as well, not just any teacher, right? You said like a trusted one. Um, I think that's super key not to just maybe settle on any old teacher, right? You've got to feel comfortable with them, like they're committed to it, like, you you know, you understand the information that they're giving you because that's something else. Teachers can be very different with how they give the information. I mean, I don't know how you are personally, but again, my teacher is, is just very simple. It's all very simple instructions. And I kind of get that from your content as well. It's you're just showing one movement and yeah. then it's got a bit of information on the content and it's like, don't do this, try do this kind of thing. And sometimes that's just the best way to explain it rather than overcomplicating it. Yeah, and I, I, at the end of the day, like you learn you learn more from kind of keeping things simple. And I was kind of put it in perspective from when I was getting lessons when I was younger and putting it in perspective of the student's position at the moment. So that position might be that I'm not, I'm not that technical a player. I can be quite a technical coach, but... I always kind of explain it in a way that's quite simple. I always try and get students to learn the most that they can from the least amount of information, if that makes sense. Sure. So if, if I kind of flood their brain with too much information, then you tend to, you, they tend to just, their brain gets flooded and they don't learn as much and they're not, they don't engage as much because you're covering too much information. I, I always find that if keeping things simple people learn more from it like mm -hmm. for example somebody came for an online lesson a couple of weeks ago and they had limited hip rotation in both hips and we've done a tpi test kind of just a couple of drills just to see their mobility in the hips 
Uh, talking about TPI can be quite boring at times. If you, if you, <laughs> um, I mean, all we focused on was just... It's, it's key though, isn't it? It is key because... It's meant... It's but, so funny enough, I'm, I'm just about to kind of go through that process because one thing that I'm... I mean, one of the things that I'm lacking in my golf is kind of the strength and mobility in my body. I've, I'm previously, a, yeah. you know, an amateur footballer. I only got into golf a couple of years ago. I'm not exactly... Um, somebody that goes to the gym or does a lot of, you know, yoga or anything like that. I have been trying to do a little bit of yoga just to stretch myself out a little bit. But yeah, one thing I'm, uh, you know, lacking, not just with the power, is just the mobility of my body, being able to do certain things. So um, I'm actually going to go to a, um, it's called, the, the business is called Pro Fit Conditioning here in Manchester. And they do that TPI test with you. They put you through the whole assessment and then get you set up on like a program right. to go and work on in the gym. Um, and, I, you know, I've been following a lot of content of people that do similar kind of stuff, you know, about warming up, about exercising to prepare yourself for golf. And I think it's, it's obviously that's something that's just super important. It's crucial as well, and obviously reverting back to that lesson, all I all I told this golfer was trying to get both feet flared out slightly, because mm -hmm. like it's almost like kind of it's hard to explain. So this is the right foot flared out slightly, and then the left foot was kind of the same, just to allow the left hip to open up on the downswing and the left, right hip to kind of open up slightly, so they were able to actually take the right hip into the backswing. Um, and it's it's amazing it's amazing how simple and effective that can be, and. I mean, everyone learns differently. There's engineers out there. There's different fields of work that people like to learn differently. Yeah. Um, in terms of everyone, I think nowadays you have to have the information to back up what you're kind of preaching. And there's a lot of there's a lot of terminology nowadays with TrackMan, Sampart Lab, you name it. Um, that some of the research is done is absolutely outstanding, and they've. People that are qualified in these departments are kind of cut above kind of the rest and, and coaches. So they're kind of more advanced level. They've, they can back up what they're talking about. Sure. Um, years gone by, there was not a lot of research and obviously TrackMan, because TrackMan never existed, going back to kind of the 80s and 90s. People had an idea of what the ball flight had done and what, um, but nowadays the people are just evolved. They are evolving as coaches, kind of that's the way the world's going. Um, but it really, you, TPI is something you can invest in or you can't. It's entirely up to you. It depends what you find with TPI is. Um, it's people that have got a lot more time. It's people kind of that are really, really serious about the game, but you don't have to be that serious to take it up. It's something, if you want to improve your body physically um, and you want to, the, the one thing that you can do without improving your technique is just improve your kind of performance of your body. So that may be stretching your hamstrings, that may be working on your ankle mobility, just wee things like that, just to help your performance one percent better. Mm -hmm. Go back to the the trap man and all that kind of stuff. Are you what are you like as a teacher with all that kind of stuff? Do you mind students kind of getting really deep into the analytics of of what like you know the club head speed is and all that kind of stuff? Let's say we're talking about the the standard amateur golfer. Do you want them to be kind of getting caught up in that at that stage as an amateur golfer or or not really? Um, I think it's it's good. Like most amateur golfers, uh, yeah. Of course, some people are kind of enamoured by how far they hit the driver, but a lot of people don't know how to control it. So I think if you're a kind of low level performer, category one, zero to plus three, and if you want to know your club head speeds, absolutely. Um, but there's a lot of amateur golfers up there that kind of um, 
worry too much about the club head speed and should focus kind of more about kind of dispersion of their irons, loft of their irons, just wee things like that, just mm-hmm. to try and elevate their game to the next level. But track trackman's superb, trackman's unbelievable to use. Um, the numbers are there, but not a lot of people know what the numbers mean. So I guess it's my job and other coaches' jobs out there to kind of like orchestrate and teach the player what the numbers mean and how they can get from A to B to. Sure. But there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of games on TrackMan that you can use to kind of skill performance instead of technique, and um, like playing golf courses and kind of gap gap uh, gap tests. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Yeah. Uh, driving games that you can use. I, mean, I think technology is more advanced nowadays than whatever it has been. Yeah. I mean, what sort of stage of the, the learning curve for your students would you introduce that kind of stuff then? Um, or is it something whereby you'd, you'd wait for them to kind of mention it? Or would you go, okay, so, you know, amateur Joe Bloggs is whatever now a 20 handicap. I should start to get into the more technical details of looking at club head speed, looking at the 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 face angle, et cetera, and, and going into the the kind of more, you know, um the, the more detailed kind of um analytical stuff of the swing. I mean, I would always mention that. I would always mention that if they, if you started um playing golf to start off, you probably don't want to learn about that. You're just trying to focus on kind of getting the golf ball from A to B. Sure. But I would always kind of mention that to a player who's doesn't matter if they're 20 handicap 25, just to give them an idea, just to give them a better insight into their own game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they swing the club head, if they swing it quite slow, then how could they hit the ball slightly further? Okay, that might be trying to improve their sentence to strike, set the center club face, just try mm-hmm. if they're hitting down on driver slightly. Okay, so how am I going to maximize a little bit more club head speed? That may be hitting up on driver slightly. It, it really depends on kind of what the player wants to to learn and what kind of how they want to get better as a player yeah I was just about to say I guess again it just depends on the type of player I mean you know you look like a, you look at like a Bryson DeChambeau who's obviously wanting to know every single number and every single detail whereas some people I mean correct me if I'm wrong I imagine they just want to go all right so what am I feeling so you know if we're talking about driver for example you should obviously have um, that feeling of hitting up on the ball with the driver so I guess really as a player, you either just need to know what the movement is and you just need to know what to feel, or you could go into it and go, right, well, what exactly, what exact angle is the most perfect to, to get the best contact and, and best distance? So it just kind of depends on what the player wants no, to know, I, know, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on what the player wants to know, but I was kind of, I'm always a better advocate of giving them that information and giving mm-hmm. them as much information as you can. So if there's, like if they're if everything's kind of the performance is peaking and then it gradually takes a dip off okay mm-hmm. they might not be hit as far so the club head speed might be low so I always kind of reverse back okay so if my club head speed's quite low then what am I doing within my training program like if I'm T5 I'm working with T5 that I can do to kind of swing the club slightly further that slightly faster sorry mm-hmm. that may be working on their um, rotation 99 test thing just to improve like, the shoulder rotation it's just yeah. little things like that but there's there's plenty of ways to skin a cat as they always say and everyone learns differently and everyone kind of takes more from learning different things for sure so i just want to quickly go back to your your content then before we wrap this up so have you got anything else that's kind of going to be coming out in the future with in terms of your content is it more kind of the same have you got the other ideas of things that you want to put out there for, for you your, your fans yeah, I wouldn't say fans, just people that watch the channel, just followers. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I've got a few course vlogs I'm hoping to plan at the moment. Um, okay. Just trying to get a little bit more out in the golf course. A lot of my content now is kind of been in the back garden and in the house and stuff yeah. like that. And a lot of people kind of get they they get a little bit bored of that, which is fair enough. If I was watching somebody else's channel, I'd get picked bored. So, so I've got. I mean, I've got a lot more online lessons, kind of reviews coming up. I've got a lot of kind of um, PGA Tour professional reviews. Just like I think I don't know if you a couple of weeks ago on Colin Morikawa, which got quite a few views. So okay. I'm going to continue that kind of trend, see what happens, because you need to obviously you need to evolve as well with with your videos and lessons and stuff like that. Yeah. Never, never keep it the same. But YouTube's quite slow. I mean, YouTube's been a slow burner the last kind of four years or so. Um, it's kind of been really slow. Yeah. It's, it just I guess it just takes time. It just takes that one video. You just need to be patient. Just need to wait, wait and see what happens. Well, that's mostly what I've got planned at the moment. Yeah. All right. Good stuff then, mate. So like I said, I'll remind everybody on Instagram and YouTube, it's Jamie Allen Golf. Facebook is Jamie Allen Golf. And then also you've got the Twitter, which is Jamie Allen underscore golf. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you, mate. Thank you for taking the time and yeah. I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to your shopping. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Cheers, mate. Bye. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers, mate. You too.